Welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Cherie, and today I'm joining you from the very brink of exhaustion. <laughs> I've been drowning in full-time work. Etsy order is getting my three-year-old's birthday party prepared, actually raising that three-year-old, maintaining a semi-healthy marriage, and all while watching back episodes of Riverdale <laughs> to keep this podcast going. So, and I mean, honestly, I function better when I'm spread paper thin, but this past week or month or holiday season, whatever you want to call it, it's been a doozy. Um, but we aren't here to talk about how tired and boring my life is. We are here to talk about season one, episode two of Riverdale. Uh, chapter two, A Touch of Evil. So A Touch of Evil is a 1958 mystery film where um, an innocent man is framed by his um, co-detective or something. It's it's like his um, investigating partner, I believe. So I I didn't read too much about it, but it it could mean something, could mean nothing. If you want to draw your own conclusions to what it means for this episode, go right ahead. I really don't see any. Um, But the first thing I noticed um, in this episode that was noteworthy was actually in the previously ons. So, you know, they're doing, like, the exterior shots of all the places in Riverdale while Jughead talks, blah, 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 blah. But a paper by, a paper by, a paper boy goes by Betty Cooper's house and throws a Riverdale Register newspaper on their front porch. Folks, they own the Riverdale Register. The Coopers run the newspaper. Why are they having one delivered? I'm pretty sure they already got it. They wrote the damn thing. Um... That's just funny to me. Like, I know they wanted the iconic all-American scene of getting your paper delivered by a kid on a bicycle, but maybe to someone else's house? Just saying. So anyway, we go into the episode, and um, Jughead has a voiceover narration where he is imagining what it would be like if Jason Blossom just came to school the next day. If he wasn't dead, if all of this was just a terrible dream, and... They came to school the next morning, and he was just yucking it up with the jocks in the hallway. And, you know, and Pops, sharing a milkshake with his twin sister. Two straws and one milkshake, like a total creep. Not saying that I want a kid to die, and really his death is what made me want to watch this show. But I'm super glad that I don't have to see that play out, so thank goodness. Um, way to go, murderer. You took away the twin cest that I did not want to see. Um... Oh, Archie tries to make up a Betty via late night texting, and she tells him no, and he just stares at her shirtless out his window like, what do you mean? Um, but she says no, and so naturally his reaction of that is just to run shirtlessly through the streets of Riverdale, just half naked, run into his old ass girlfriend's house. So he goes to Miss Grundy's where the way she reacts when he walks in makes me think that like there's a secret room full of horny music students in there like she's like Archie you can't be here but when like as long as it was the middle of the night no one saw I feel like she would be all about it but the way she freaks out makes me think like "Mm, there's somebody that's not supposed to see that but probably not just some poor acting um she tells him that if anyone found out about the relationship that she initiated, she could lose her job, he could get expelled, and they could both go to jail, which is false. Archie is a victim, 
he's a minor and even if he was complicit in it he's a white male so he would get off like there's nothing for him to be punished for I mean obviously he he's old enough to know that his teacher shouldn't do that but his teacher is damn well old enough to know that she shouldn't do that she would go to prison as well she should and so yeah she like blatantly puts it on him so she's like manipulating him and saying you can't tell anybody about this nobody can see us together because you're gonna get in trouble too when like kids if somebody is hurting you if somebody is touching you if somebody is um if you know you're in a relationship and you can't tell anybody because it's against the law you need to tell somebody you will not get in trouble I promise it it's not about what you did wrong that adult is an adult and knows better so always come clean so you might think that whoever killed Jason Blossom is the villain but in my humble opinion <laughs> as a mother Miss Grundy is the villain um, it's the next morning uh, Fred confronts Archie about sneaking out and Archie is real surprised that his dad has the ability to hear but Fred's like I can hear when you sneak out because I'm a human being and I know when my doors are being opened and he tells him that he's you know he's been able to hear Archie sneak out his whole life all the way back to when he was a kid and he would sneak out to go to Jughead's treehouse which is a question that I'll bring up later I want to see this treehouse somebody has some explaining to do about it um let's see Archie makes up some BS about needing to clear his head because you know like all the Jason Blossom stuff, whatever, and Fred immediately becomes that guy who's in every show that their entire attitude is just this fucking town. Um, if you're if you're a PLL fan and you listen to Bros Watch PLL too, which you should, um, Jason De Laurentiis is that person, <laughs> and the Bros will always bring it up, and it's my favorite thing ever. But Fred becomes that character in in this episode. Um, and really, I think that's his character pretty much throughout the show is just this fucking town. Um, and then we go over to Betty's house where her parents just like waltz in her into her room to an announce the good news that they'll be working late because there's a murder investigation going on. And Alice cannot be happier to report on the death of this poor kid. She is stoked. And how you know, rightly tells her to, like, take it down a notch. He's like, he's barely in his grave, Alice. But as we'll see in this episode, homie's not even in his grave yet. He's still straight up chilling in the morgue. They haven't had a funeral or anything for him. So the kid is, we don't even know how he died yet. I mean, like, he got shot, but we don't know anything else about, about his death. And she's just all about talking about it. Let's see. Oh, and then, uh, so Alice very passive-aggressively slams Betty for seeing the good in people. She, like, makes fun of her for being a good person while telling her that's the thing that she likes. She is such a Regina George. Alice is the OG Regina George. You know, like, grown up <laughs> Regina George. I guess Regina George is the OG, but whatever. You know what I mean? And Betty can see right through it. She knows exactly what Alice is doing. So, she, um, you know, she agrees to her terms. Yeah, definitely. No Veronica. No Archie. And the next thing you know, she's at Archie's front door saying, walk me to school. Um, and it's there when he opened the front door that I noticed how weird her sweater is. So the torso is like a normal pink sweater and it's got that collar thing that she always wears that 
um, you know, it's like an Oxford shirt collar that's bejeweled, but the sleeves are like this weird mesh and there are polka dot patterns and the holes in it is super bizarre. And just a note on that, while I was writing these notes down to prepare for this podcast, um, my husband and daughter and I were watching the middle and we were watching the New Year's Eve episode and Sue Heck is wearing that same sweater. And as we all know, everything that Sue wears is supposed to be like super out of date, you know, very 80s because she's, you know, delightfully awkward. But um, as we're watching, I'm like, oh my God, you guys, I just wrote a paragraph on that, on that exact same sweater. I just thought that was kind of cool that it came up at the same time that I was working on this episode. Anyway, um, so they walk to school and they're, they're going to be friends again as long as he doesn't tell her mom that, that they're hanging out. And I noticed that his hair is a ton better this episode than the pilot, but his sideburns have a weird curl to them. Like they, they kind of swoop up, like he had to work on that. There was like some gel or pomade involved there. Still bizarre. We're not quite at peak Archie hair. At school, we see um, a small memorial that was made for Jason at his locker with like stuffed animals and notes and flowers and stuff. And as kids are walking by, dropping off these mementos to Jason's memory, there's this chick in a black plaid shirt who lingers just almost too long. <laughs> she has like this look of disdain or maybe even disgust on her face <laughs> as she as she stares at the pile of junk. Like, I don't know if Jason hurt her or what the deal is, but the look on her face cracks me up every time I watch this. Um, the way she just kind of meh and looks at it. <laughs> maybe she's supposed to be sad. I don't know. Maybe she's like a student at this high school and won a contest to have like a walk-on role or maybe she's related to someone on the production crew. I don't know, but it's funny. We have like a weird bro scene with Archie and Jughead who are still not friends, but um, they talk and Jughead makes some crack about how maybe being depressed about Jason can get him out of gym, but and Archie tells him, hey, don't joke about Jason Blossom stuff, which is good on Archie. I mean, don't we shouldn't joke about this like we just found out that this kid was shot in the head but Jughead delivers his famous hey sardonic humor is just my way of relating to the world that made emo girls all over the world cream in their pants anyway before that we get a glimpse of Archie's locker and there were like four schedules hanging up what could these even be for like okay so you have one for your classes maybe he has one for football does he have one for, like, juggling his relationship with Grundy? <laughs> and we can have a makeout session between third and fourth period, and then we can actually learn about music between uh, first and second. I don't know. Um, but there's, there's, like, a lot of schedules hanging up. There's a picture of the beach, which is probably a nod to KJ Appa's New Zealand roots. Or we're just trying to say that Archie likes the beach. I don't know. It, it's like it's like the picture of the Corona commercial with the two beach chairs, except there aren't people in it and there's no Corona. And then there's this weird like band sticker, or what I am imagining is probably a band sticker, but the way the camera doesn't focus on it, it straight up looks like it's like the eye of Sauron. The jocks come in the hallway and as Jughead's leaving, Reggie bumps into him and says, get out of the way Wednesday Adams, to which I lol'd. Um, Betty and Kevin, 
are walking into the school office and there's like this super beboppy music playing and they're just casually talking about how he found a corpse. <laughs> just, you know how it is when it's sophomore year and just the world is abuzz with dead bodies and you're just chit-chatting about it. Um, but they're there to pick up um, some yellow roses that were dropped off for Betty and they're from V. And who's V? Well, obviously it's Veronica. Um, and she walks in and she's had um, cupcakes flown in from Magnolia Bakery in New York. And Betty accepts the apology because she has no reason to. And she tells Kevin, Kev, it's just the path of least resistance. And with everything that Betty has on her plate between her sister and the death of her sister's boyfriend and all this stuff, I don't blame her. You don't need girl drama on top of everything. Then we get some weird announcements from Principal Weatherby and Sheriff Keller and Cheryl Blossom where none of the kids are in class yet. So, like, do they just have announcements before school starts? Because I'm pretty sure announcements at my school um, came on once everybody was in class. That way, you know, everybody could hear them. While this is going on, um, Archie and Principal Weatherby have a weird non-eye contact thing that makes me forever afraid of Principal Weatherby. Like, the look he gives Archie when he sees that Archie can't look him in the eye is so creepy. Jughead sees it because he's also wandering the halls alone and he confronts Archie about it. And he says, hey pal, we were supposed to take a road trip on the 4th of July. Um, also, I'm pretty sure neither of these kids are 16 yet, so, you know, whatever. They were supposed to go on a road trip and and Archie bailed at the last second. So is that why their bromance broke up? If so, that's sort of an extreme reason to drop a friend Jughead, especially an old friend. I can't remember the last time that plans of mine and my friends actually came to fruition. Like, everybody bails on plans, especially like something like that. I, I mean, maybe once or twice in the last six months have a friend of mine and I made plans and it actually worked out. It very rarely does. Um, granted, you know, we're adults and have children and those children are oftentimes sick. So that does kind of put a wrench in things more often than not. Let's see, we go to biology class where Cheryl is straight up being bullied by her own minions because um, maybe the story that she told wasn't entirely true, um, but she tells them off and then they have to, you know, pair up with their lab partners. Archie takes Cheryl for some reason. Um, Betty says she wants to go with Kevin, but Moose claims him instead. So Veronica and Betty are going to be lab partners. Um, as Moose is, like, claiming Kevin as his own, he does this, like, weird hand thing where he, like, caresses Kevin's peck for just a little bit too long. And... It, you can just feel the awkwardness raining off of Kevin's face. Like, well, I don't like this. This is not good. But that also leads into some of the worst advice Kevin has given yet. He tells Moose that he has more demons than the exorcist, which, my man, the exorcist has literally one demon that gets exercised, but, you know, whatever. Um, and he tells Moose that he should ignore whatever homosexual tendencies he thinks he has and just stick to girls which is awful <laughs> like poor poor moose he you know if he's stuck in the closet then kevin should be as like the only out kid at riverdale he should be trying to help kevin 
be his true self. You can't decide for somebody whether they are or aren't gay. That's not okay. So I'm kind of mad at Kevin for that. I feel like there are a lot of kids who watch this show and there are probably um, some kids who have not come out that are thinking that, you know, they might be gay. And if they see somebody in the gay community shut down somebody who's thinking about coming out, what kind of message does that send? So I'm not cool with it. Um, Archie is offering his condolences to Cheryl. And sorry if you heard that, my dogs are barking. Um, she says the word intuition, and I LOL'd for like 10 minutes. Um, Archie offers to dissect the frog so Cheryl doesn't have to think about her brother's autopsy. Um, so she decides, you know, the best thing to do is just to stare at her friends who are paired up with Jughead and stab the frog. Like, totally ruin the project. I mean, you know, I get that she's pissed, but that's Archie's grade too. You know, like partners, I mean, the way she did that, she definitely cut through, like, all the organs and whatever that you have to look at. I don't, I don't remember much about dissecting frogs. I just remember that the smell made me run to the bathroom where I thought I was going to hurl when I was in ninth grade. Um, but speaking of autopsies and cutting bodies open, we go straight to the morgue where Alice is paying off Lurch to um, give her details on Jason's death. Um, this character's name is Dr. Curdle. And I can't make that shit up. Like, I had I had to look up this guy on IMDb because I was like, he's definitely played a monster before, right? He straight up looks like a natural-born Frankenstein. And he, he's been in a lot of things. He really has. Um, but yeah, this character's name is Dr. Curdle, as in old milk. Yum. We learned that Jason was tied up, and those are some serious abrasions on his arms. So he must have been tied up really tight for a really long time, and that he was frozen post-mortem. So somewhere between getting tied up, shot in the head, and then being thrown in the river, he was frozen. So gross. So we go back to the school where the gang is having lunch, because, you know, dead bodies and lunch, seamless transition. Um, and Kevin just puts his foot in his mouth for like five whole minutes, just continually says the wrong thing and I feel like this is why every time I take a BuzzFeed article or BuzzFeed article every time I take a BuzzFeed quiz I get Kevin <laughs> it's always like find out which Riverdale character you are are you a Betty are you a Veronica are you dark and brooding like Jughead I'm and I always get Kevin because I'm pretty sure in a past life I was a gay man that that explains my personality perfectly but in all honesty, um, I do that thing too, where I'll say something really awkward and then I'll try to backpedal my way out of it, but I only dig myself deeper by saying more and more awkward things. And it's, it's awful. <laughs> and I'm like usually screaming in my head, just shut up, you idiot. But nope, I just say the worst thing. And that's what, that's what uh, Kevin does here. We get a little glimpse of KJ Apo's musical abil abilities and if you get a chance, just um, look him up on like YouTube or Instagram. He is really an amazing guitar player. So Eddie Van Halen's like his um, his biggest inspiration, and he learned to play guitar when he was like ten. And he's you know everything Riverdale aside, that kid is a really good musician, and we get to see just the briefest minute of it. Um, so he's singing and playing guitar to the song called "Dance, Dance, Dance," which is on the season one um, soundtrack if you want to get it. It's on iTunes. 
not promoting it, but hey, you know, it, Riverdale CW, if you want to throw me some money for promoting it, that's cool. Uh, I'll give you my PayPal. Betty starts crying. She's such a good girl. Like, she's so honest, but so awkward. Like, that scene hurt to watch, but it was good. It was good that she just was completely honest with him and said, you know, you told me yesterday or you know, the other day, whatever, that, you know, you couldn't give me the answer I wanted. Well, I'm telling you the same thing now. I know that I'm supposed to be okay. I know that's what the good girl says, but I'm not, I'm not okay. I'm not okay that, you know, this, um, relationship that I have talked myself into for the last, you know, God knows how many years is, is not going to happen. And, and my heart goes out to her. And in my opinion, this is the scene where Betty and Archie, 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 Betty and Archie officially break up. So Barchie shippers just don't go anywhere, but hang up that hat for right now. I, f I really feel like this is her way of getting closure. But before Archie can chase after her, Principal Scary Eyes confronts him about their weird moment in the hallway and, you know, asks him you know, if there's something he needs to tell him. And he says no, but dum-dum Archie then just runs straight to Miss Grundy, where if, like, if Principal Weatherby wanted to know what was happening, all he would have to do is confront him and then see exactly where he was going to know what he feels guilty about. So Archie goes straight to Grundy, who apparently just plays cello all day. Like, I don't know that we ever see her with actual students. She's just in that room playing cello. She was when they gave the announcements, and that's what she's doing now at lunch. Um, and he, Archie asks her to be honest about her feelings, and if she actually cared about him, like, if this was a situation where it really was, like, unrequited love, and she really did love him despite, you know, all the facets of society that didn't want them to be, to be together, she would let him go right now. She would, you know, say, if this is true love, we can wait until you're an adult and can offer actual consent. We can wait until I'm not your teacher anymore. But of course she doesn't, and she lays all the responsibility for their relationship on him, um, and she's the worst. And as they're, like, about to start making out, dun-dun-dun, Jughead walks by and sees. Here's a small tip. If you're gonna make out in the classroom and it's, um, a makeout that is illegal, maybe close the blinds go to a room that doesn't have windows. I don't know. Just a small tip. Um, but Jughead sees, and he is wearing the worst wood grain headphones I've ever seen in my life. I don't think we ever see them again. Thank goodness, because they do not match his entire aspect, you know, his, his feel. Um, okay, so let's see. Then we go to River Vixen practice, where they do the routine that they're going to do at the football game, and um, Cheryl needs to get the pussycats, blah, 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 setting up that, that whole scene. But Betty and Veronica have, like, a weird girl fight that if this was really high school, it would just end up in them calling each other bitches and running out of the, <laughs> running out of the gym. But this isn't real high school, it's Riverdale, and Veronica stands up for herself, as she should. She tells her that, look, it's not my fault that Archie kissed you. I apologized for kissing the boy that you liked, and I feel like I've done my part, but it is not my fault, and it's not even Archie's fault. You can't help who has feelings for you and who doesn't. And she's not wrong. 
um, I feel like that's really good advice. That's, that's something that a lot of people need to hear, especially in high school when you have crushes on all these people and they don't have the same feelings. I mean, it's super rare for you to like the same person that likes you. Um, and we get our first mention of Romeo and Juliet. And here they're applying it to Archie and Betty. And Veronica says that Romeo and Juliet is not the rule, it's the exception. But here's the thing. Romeo, Romeo and Juliet were star-crossed lovers, right? They were from opposite sides of the track. Their families were, um, were not friendly. Archie and Betty literally live next door to each other. And, you know, while Alice doesn't like Archie because she doesn't like anybody, they're otherwise friendly to each other. They're not like arch rivals or anything. So the Romeo and Juliet thing is going to come back up. But so remember that I'm not going to tell you who it really applies to. But if you're caught up on the show, you already know. And, it, <laughs> and you know why, why I'm calling it out. Anyway, this will come back. So Betty uses Cheryl to get back at Veronica. Um, as part of Veronica's apology package, she got Betty uh, an appointment to get Manny Petties and a blowout at the salon. And instead of taking Veronica, Betty takes Cheryl, who is a total and complete bitch to her. So <laughs> that is an awesome way to get back at somebody who pissed you off. I wish I had that chance in high school because that would have been so much better than just like calling someone a bitch and playing, you know, giving the silent treatment for four years. Man, um, if I could turn back time, if I could turn back time. Uh, anyway, so we meet waitress Hermione and she's super cute in her uniform. Um, Archie walks Veronica home from Pops, but he makes references to his relationship with Betty when they were kids and he's just telling her like how heartbroken he is that you know they're not going to be friends um because Betty means the whole world to him and she's helped him out a ton and he makes a direct reference to the little Archie comics so there's a con there's an entire spinoff of the Archie comics called Little Archie referring to the same kids just when they were younger and it's pretty cute um, anyway, you know, he's, he says, you know, that Betty helped him not get held back one year and he kissed her and asked her to marry him. And she said, Oh, little Archie, we're too young now, but ask me when we're 18 and I'll say yes. And I think that that perfectly explains why Betty is feeling the way she is. I mean, she's, she's obviously been in love with him like her whole life and it probably doesn't even hurt so much that he doesn't like her back and the loss of the relationship that she wants with him. It's the loss of what she had planned. This whole vision that she had seen since this time when she helped him not get held back from, from first grade when they were six, you know? That's like nine years of thinking when we're teenagers, we're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend and it's all going to be milkshakes and sock hops and it's going to be perfect. But... You know, just like everything else, life happens, and that that's not the case. He just doesn't feel that way anymore. And so I, my heart really goes out to Betty. Um, we go to Betty's room where her and Cheryl are hanging out post-blowouts, and <laughs> Cheryl does this weird, like, 
blush torture thing where she just keeps applying blush to Betty's face where she's like two inches apart and she's just shaking her down for answers uh, about Polly. And finally, Betty's like, what are you getting at, Cheryl? And she's like, because, dumb cow, I think your tweaked out sister killed my brother. And it's so good. But before you can get super in love with that, I I just fall in love with Lily Reinhardt here because we get our first real look at Dark Betty. The music gets super weird and it's that same kind of like synth music that we heard um, in the cheerleading tryout portion of the pilot where you know like something is snapping. And she tells Cheryl, get out. Get out of my house before I kill you. And, oh, it just makes me want to, like, Muppet flail. So good. So, so good. Um, so, anyway, it, I don't know. It's just so creepy. I kind of love it more. Um, then we see Jughead confront Archie about the whole Grundy thing on the Andrews porch. And it's really intense. He, he confesses everything about Grundy, even though him and, Ar- him and Jughead, quote-unquote, aren't friends anymore. But he tells Jughead that she cares about me. And poor guy, like, Jughead is all of us when he looks at Archie with, like, the most pity and disgust. Poor kid. Um, and then, you know, Jughead doesn't agree to say, you know, that, to not say anything. So Archie gets all alpha male on him. And Jughead's like, what are you going to do, Archie? Are you going to beat me up? And before he can, Fred opens the door and sees Jughead and invites him in for dinner. Because they got pops, which, I mean, we saw, you know, Archie pick up the order, but of course they got pops. They don't eat anything else. These poor people are going to have the worst colon health when they're older because all they eat is cheeseburgers. Then we go to Betty's house where Alice walks in, saging the room. She tells her that she's proud of Cheryl, or proud of Betty for standing up to Cheryl. She doesn't know why she was in her room in the first place, but, um, but she's just going to... You know, get all the bad juju out of there by literally saging the room. And we go, oh, and then they have, like, this whole scene where Betty asks questions about Polly that Alice doesn't answer. And it's, like, it's wedged in here to be, like, an exposition. But it is the most exposition scene with no exposition. <laughs> like, we don't learn anything other than Betty's not going to know anything. Um, so then we we go back to school where Betty and Veronica make up in the hallway and I'm sad to note that I didn't I didn't look at their lockers so um hopefully it comes back around and we get to see that and how they make up is super untrue to real teenage behavior because those girls are not mature enough to to come back together but it is very true to to Betty and Veronica um we go into the student lounge which who has that what high school has like a lounge with couches and games, board games and video games and snack machines and all that stuff for their kids to hang out in. Like, if you have that, you might as well have the coffee cart from the OC. Like, that is not normal. That's not in a normal high school, but you know, whatever. Reggie's being like the biggest bro in bro town again and giving this whole monologue about how could it be a jock that would want Jason dead? It must be, you know, the dark, brooding, gloomy guy and calls Jughead Suicide Squad. And, like, Jughead's in there 
but if he's not hanging out with these guys, why is he even there? Like, go be a creepy loner, you know, somewhere you can be alone. Um, but as, uh, as he's telling, you know, telling everybody else and trying to make fun of Jughead for, you know, being goth or whatever, and he, he tries to slam him and say that he likes to have sex with dead bodies. Did you do weird things to Jason's body after you killed him? And Jughead says, it's called necrophilia, Reggie. Can you spell it? And, and I LOL'd forever, and I feel like every Jughead lover, teenage girl in the world, like, their heart just exploded. Also, what period is it? Is it before school? Is it after school? Are they supposed to be in class right now? How do they have time to hang out in this room? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't they be studying somewhere? I don't know. Like, if I wasn't actively in class, I was not at school. <laughs> I was either in class or in some sort of activity. There was no time to be hanging out in some, like, weird lounge unless there was lunch. Anyway, um, Archie defends Jughead in the fight. And there is one very tragic casualty. <sighs> the snack machine. So sad. All I can say is, if I were hanging out in that room, and <laughs> the glass got broken on the snack machine, by the time the principal and the janitor could come in to clean it up, they would just find me under a pile of wrappers and shards of glass, just Cheeto dust everywhere, and I would just look up at them and be like, um, I found it this way? I don't know. Um, <laughs> poor, poor vending machine, RIP. Um, we go to the Andrews house where Fred kind of is a dick about Jughead, and, and he, uh, he's, like, uh, he sees Archie's black eye that he's nursing, he says, I hate to ask, but did Jughead give you that? Which, I mean, Jughead should be like, fuck you, <laughs> I can punch people, um, and he says, no, it was Reggie, but then we go into, like, a whole father-son thing where they agree that doing the right thing is doing the right thing, so, at the football game, um, Archie's gonna tell the truth. He's gonna tell Miss Grundy that what he's gonna do. We see Kevin wandering around aimlessly on the track that goes around the football field because presumably all of his friends are either on the football team or river vixens. Like, we don't see him hanging out with anybody that isn't Moose or Betty or Veronica. So, poor guy probably has to sit by himself. Um, Archie, who should probably be in the locker room with the rest of the football team. Like, I don't know if the writers have never gone to high school or been to a high school football game, but that's where the football players hang out until the game starts. He confronts Grundy, and he's like, Hey, I can't do it anymore. I can't keep this to myself. In the morning, I'm going to come clean to Sheriff Keller and Principal Weatherby, and if you want to come clean too, great. If not, I won't bring your name up, but I, I've got to get this off my chest. And she's the worst some more, but good on Archie for, for being honest. And Jughead sees it. Um, we see him watch from beside the bleachers. And you know what's weird? There are, like, people in the stands who are holding up headshots of Jason. So you know how it is when you go to a sporting event and you just hold up pictures of dead kids? Totally normal. Yep, that's a thing that happens in America. 
so, you know, to all of our international friends, yeah, yeah, we just, we just carry around, you know, big eight by tens of, of murdered teenagers to, to hold up at our sporting events. Oh, totes normal. Um, Archie and Jack had makeup and they agree to many burgers over many nights. Archie walks off and, um, he comes across Betty. She like caresses his black eye and, oh, Arch, what happened to your eye? Before he can say anything or, you know, before they can say anything to each other, the person who gave him the black eye, <laughs> Reggie, and some other bros from the football team kind of come and carry Archie away. Um, let's see, we, yeah, they should also be in the locker room. <laughs> That's how uh, high school football games work. Probably like how all football games work, but um, they're in a place called the Field House, which is the locker room on site if, if you're not... Um, at a football field that's directly at your school, which probably at schools that aren't in Texas, the football field at school is your football field, but for us, the football field that was at our school was the practice field, and then um, they played in a big stadium that we shared with the other two high schools in town. Um, anyway, so we learned that Mayor McCoy is Josie's mom, which is cool that we get to see a woman of color be um, in an elected position. That's awesome. Really happy to see that. And then we get a really good remix of Sugar Sugar, a song that is always associated with Archie Universe. It goes like all the way back to like the 60s, I think. Um, there, There is like a weird editing error where we see Cheryl um, just hop on stage and she's like doing this awesome strut and she's picks up a microphone but before she ever opens her mouth the the song's over and she's just hugging Josie and that microphone's gone so if you're wondering what that's about it's because there is a long version that you can see on YouTube or if you get the the DVD or Blu-ray it's on there too you can see the long version of, of these videos and Cheryl goes up and does like a full rap <laughs> at that part and it, it's it's really pretty good like I have I have it on my iPod in my phone. Um, any hoodle. As the football team breaks through the big paper dealy, she thinks she sees Jason, but really it's it's Archie because he's wearing his jersey and has red hair. And she freaks out a little bit and she takes off and runs away. Her parents see her run away and well, everybody does. But the only person that follows her is Veronica. So they go to the, the girls' locker room where um, Veronica comforts her. Cheryl says something very interesting. She says, he was supposed to come back. So from that, we know that Cheryl had some involvement in Jason's disappearance, but apparently it took a turn that wasn't planned. So I don't think she um, was his killer. I think, you know, she was trying to help him get away, but not necessarily did she think he was going to die. Um, so I think that's how we can take her off our list of suspects, but maybe not. Betty sees Veronica be nice to Cheryl, who is so often mean to them that she might not deserve it, but that must mean that Veronica's a really good friend deep down in her heart, so she invites her out to Pops. 
they're at Pops after the game, and the goofiest waiter slash soda jerk, I don't know, this total dork drops off their double chocolate and old-fashioned vanilla milkshakes, and he, like, does this, like, weird snap thing, and yeah, we never see him again <laughs> because he's he's way too goofy. Um, they make a solemn vow to never let a boy come in between them, and right on cue, in walks Archie and Jughead, <laughs> so right as they're like chicks before dicks, ovaries before broveries, and walks and walks the broveries. Um, there's like a weird moment where you don't know if if they're all gonna sit together. Of course they're gonna sit together, but there's some tension in the air, and and like Jughead's just so happy. <laughs> He's just so happy to have friends again. His smile is just ear to ear, cheek to cheek. Um, Betty asks them to join. You know, do you guys want to join us? And Jughead agrees for both of them. So, Bughead shippers, start your engines now. Uh, as Jughead introduces himself to Veronica, we learn that his full name is actually Jughead Jones the Third. So, that's not entirely true. His name is actually Forsyth Pendleton the Third, and you can know that from the um, from the comics or. Um, later in this episode, we'll see some paperwork that, like, has his full name on it, um, but it's Forsyth Pendleton III. Jughead just comes from an old-timey nickname for a kid who has big ears, and maybe that's what they're talking about, because they are all laughing their asses off. <laughs> they're just giggling and going crazy, while voiceover Jughead says that there are only three people in that booth that night. A blonde-haired girl, a raven-haired girl, and the luckiest red-headed boy in the world. What the hell does that mean? Is Jughead a ghost? Is he, like, imaginary? Is he completely making the situation up in his head? Is he in a padded room somewhere? Like, what the fuck does that mean there are only three people in that booth? I don't, that's a level of emo that maybe I just don't understand. Maybe that's something, like, the kids say <laughs> that I don't get. And then we get the morning of reckoning. Where, before Archie can come clean about being at Sweetwater River on July 4th, Cheryl is taken into custody in the most dramatic way. Like, even Sheriff Keller and Principal Weatherby are like, Bitch, take it down a notch. You don't have to do this. You don't have to straight up confess to, like, everything right here in front of your friends. Um, she says, It's okay. I'm guilty. And it's like, Dun, dun, dun. Um, then we learn that Jason actually died on closer to the 11th of July. So there was a full week between that rowboat and when he actually lost his life. And when Archie learns this, I swear it looks like he has the weirdest boner. <laughs> he is both equally confused and aroused. It is, it is a weird choice to make that face. Um, and then we get the title card, the Zzz, Riverdale. And I'm sure there was one earlier in the episode, but I did not note it. So, I don't know, that's weird. Normally I write that down. Um, let's go into the most Archie moment. It's another Roberto episode. He wrote these first two of season one, so a lot of it pulls, you know, pretty canon to the, the look and feel of the Archie comics. But I think probably just that last scene of the core four at, at Pops, I feel like that that's probably... I mean, the, the biggest nod to the comics, you know, outside of anything else, you know, other than, the, you know, many cheeseburgers or many milkshakes. They had many milkshakes that night, which, ugh, 
I love me a milkshake, but I feel like I'd be sick after more than one. Um, the best blossom burn. I said it earlier. I still think it's the best, but when Cheryl tells Betty, because you dumb cow, I think your tweaked out sister killed my brother. And I love anytime Cheryl gets real. Um, which leads me into my good. Uh, our good, bad, funnies this week. My good is that, um, is Dark Betty. That is the most compelling part of the season. So the mystery of who killed Jason Blossom, I don't care. I want to know about, about Betty's mental illness. That is a mystery that I am totally invested in. Um, so good. So creepy. I can't get enough of it. Um, the bad, I'm going to say Kevin and Moose's scene. It's really problematic, especially for teens. I'm not okay with it. Um, the funny, I think, is probably going to be when Jughead says, can you spell it? <laughs> um, I I think this was an ad lib. I know Cole Sprouse has a few times where he ad libs and they keep it. And I feel like I read or heard somewhere that this was one of those. Um, I could be wrong. They, they could have written that. But I, I think it was an ad lib. Theories, it's too obvious. It's too soon for it to be Cheryl. When she says that she's guilty, clearly she's guilty of something else. They they wouldn't come clean with a killer this early in, in the season. Um, and and is this all in Jughead's mind? So is this a snow globe situation? What's the deal? Um, Sabrina news. It, it, big news. They casted Sabrina. It's Kiernan Shipka from Mad Men. Um, you will know her as Sally Draper from Mad Men in... I, like, I, I couldn't agree more. This is perfect casting. Um, it, it's awesome. The, she's the Sabrina that we didn't know we wanted. <laughs> and I love it. I know a lot of the, the teens, a lot of the younger fans wanted Dove Cameron to be, um, to be Sabrina. And TBH, I don't know who that is. Like, I, I'm sure she's a blonde girl. I'm sure she's lovely. But I don't know who that is because I'm a million years old. But I do know who Sally Draper is. And I am stoked. I, I think I'm more excited than ever for that. For Skeet's dadgram corner, this week was pretty slow for the old guy. He didn't he didn't say too much. Maybe he caught wind of of um, people laughing at him for these. But um, on Camila Mendez's post where she posted both her and Lily Reinhardt's cover of Cosmo this month, um, he wrote, "Too cool." with a smile emoji and prayer hands. <laughs> Too cool is a phrase that only old men say. <laughs> Something like my dad says, nobody nobody under the age of 50 actually says that. And that's it for today, but I hope you stick around for season one, episode three, which should be um, later this week. Um, but also in between now and then will probably be a cover of season two, episode nine. So if you are just starting the show, Make sure, make sure you pay close attention to the podcast episode titles. Don't just put it on playlist as how they're loaded into, into iTunes or Podbean because it, it's going to be interspersed with season two episodes. I don't want to wait until we're totally caught up with season one before going into season two because A, I don't have enough time to do 13 episodes before it comes back next week. And B, I don't like that. Like I want to do it when they're current while they're still fresh in our mind and it's exciting. So just don't get spoiled. Make sure you're paying close attention and you see that, okay, this says it's season two. I'm not going to listen to it. Skip it and go to the next season one, episode three. So just I'm putting it out here. Don't come at me. Don't get pissed if you're just listening to these and the next thing you know, you hear something that 
totally ruins it for you, I warned you. I gave you fair warning. Um, don't forget to rate and review. It's how other old people find us. Um, the more you, the more reviews you give me, the even even if they're bad, even if you don't you don't like it, you think my voice is terrible, you cannot stand the audio quality because my mic is dinky and it catches all sorts of rustling noises from my clothes and, and the papers that I'm turning in my notes. I'm sorry, but get, give me a one star. I don't care. Um, but there is somebody out there who's looking for their voice for somebody in their peer group on this show that they're afraid to tell their friends that they watch because it's not quote unquote meant for them. Help them find our community. Um, help us find other adult fans of Riverdale. <laughs> um, we're out there. I know we are. Um, anyway, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cherie04. That's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-04. Um, you can email the show at realhousewivesofriverdale.com at gmail.com. Um, if you want to discuss theories from the current season or if you have any cool tidbits, as long as it's not spoilery, we'll go over it on the podcast. I, I promise I'll give you a shout out. I'm just going to wait until, um, I've had a couple pe people email me already, but I, I don't want to read those out until we get a little bit deeper into the show because I, I'm afraid that I'll let some stuff slip. So, um, just hang tight. Also, if you heard me give the Skeet's dadgram thing, you don't know who Skeet is yet. It's Skeet Ulrich. He, he will play a character in a couple of episodes. Um, he, he will be a regular character. He just hasn't been introduced yet. Um, so don't go looking for him. If you, if you go like to his IMDB, you're going to find out his character's name and pretty easily be able to tell who he is. But just know that he is a complete goofball on Instagram and I love it. He is such a dad. Um, anyway, uh, outside of that, I hope you guys have a good week and make good choices.